continuing our miracle series this morning, and we've been doing this for the last seven weeks now. Last, next week's our last week, and then summer's almost over. Everyone excited about summer being over? No. The kids won't be in the house. You'll save you some money on your food bill. But what we're going to do today, I want you to do this. We're going to start a little different. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think about something very valuable to you that you know is so valuable and it just it's amazing something that you own that is just magnificent in your eyes and you waited a long time for this thing and it finally arrived And think about this, as you're thinking about this, God comes up to you and says, I want it. Give it all to me. Question is, what would be your response? Think about it. You have, and you have it in your hand right now. And God says, give it all to me. Now open your eyes. Think about that tension, because that's what we're going to talk about this morning. When we talk about miracles, this one's called divine provision. When I talk about divine provision, this is one of the hardest, hardest message and the hardest thing for us is to believe that God provides for us on a constant basis. Some of us have a level of faith that he will do certain things. And then a certain, when we get up to a certain level, and this is because it's our pocketbook or this is our, what we're waiting, God, waiting from something from God, our faith kind of fails. And what we're going to talk about this morning is a man named Abraham who waited 25 years for the promise. His son Isaac waited 25 years. Had, and here's amazing, God showed up when he was 100 years old. And he's able to have a child. His wife was 90 years old. The promise, Isaac, the one he was waiting for. Even in, in Genesis chapter 12, when God first gave him the present, gave him the promise, and then in the 17th, he cut a covenant with him to Abraham, you will have a son in between that time. Abraham tried to help God out by having Ishmael. And it says that he was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. And 13 years later, in chapter 17, God spoke, spoke to him again and gave him the covenant that your son that is born will be have all the offspring of the earth will be from him. And we're all the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But at this moment, a test comes. Everyone says, I'm in the school of faith. How many like tests? Tests are good because you don't know where you are until you. You got to like tests. How many like to fly? No one likes to fly. How about the airplane you're flying on? They built it and they just roll it out and say, why don't you guys test it out with these people? How would you feel? No, it has to be what? Tested. And retest it so it can handle the, the ride and handle carrying people. Well, this test, the supreme test that God had with Abraham, what I just had you think about, was Abraham 
take your only son and I want you to go to the altar and sacrifice your only son, the one you've been waiting 25 years for. And we see the man of faith go through the motions and do things. But there's just a story behind it because God, as he tested Abraham back then, God is in the testing business for his people today. And some of you might be feeling like you're going through hell right now, but it's only a test. This is a test of the emergency God system. (laughs) Because there's something good in you that God needs to pull out of you. Now, there's a difference between testing and temptation. Temptation is driven by man. We're tempted. And for us, if you fall for it, then you repent. It's easy. But a test is not easy because God will bring you to a point that I can't help you. Your neighbor can't help you. Your, your uh, pedigree can't help you. Your finances can't help you. But the only one that can help you is God himself. So testing is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Because whenever you're tested, you ought to say this. Thank you, God, that you show me faithful. One man says this. He hasn't been tested Nothing's changed in his life. He said, God, don't you trust me? Well, God trusts us. That's why he tests us. And when you're valuable, the test will come. And you usually discover a couple things when you're tested. You meet the person you didn't want to meet that you thought you got rid of. That's you. (laughs) That anger issue you got? Oh, I thought I got rid of him. Mr. Anger? Oh, oh, there he is. You know, oh, Mr. Racism. Oh, I thought I got rid of him six months ago. And if you notice, the world's putting us all Christians through a test to see how we respond. I looked at the Bonner Report lately, uh, how American Christians have been being viewed in America. It says this, that we're more the Pharisees than we are Jesus because we criticize more than we support or love. Everyone knows what we're against, but no one knows what we're for. And we get mad at the world because they're acting like the world. What are they supposed to act like? The world. And we're believers. We're supposed to act like what? So we're not moved by the news. We have opportunities to change the news. It's called with the good news. Amen? All right, let's go to... um, Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. And then remember now, this is what they call the Abrahamic covenant. And God has a covenant with Abraham. And if you know about the covenant in chapter 17, it's all up to God to supply it. But every covenant becomes you need to have total commitment and obedience to that covenant for the blessing to come. And this is what it says. And after these, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take your son. And I love the way he put it in there. Your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes. Remember I said lifted up his eyes. And saw the place from afar. 
key statement here. When Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. I'm going to go, I'm going to worship, and I'm coming back. After waiting 25 years, God speaks to Abraham, that which you value the most, I want you to sacrifice it, a burnt offering. When people talk about the tithe, the tithe is him being obedient. The offering was going to be Isaac, that which is valuable, that which all he thought was irreplaceable. But he had a moment, and he's traveling 50 miles to where God is going to show him. You know when faith starts? When you start. It's hard to get ahead and hear God if you're standing still. He always moves a hidden, uh, moving target. One thing about this, when I looked at it and I started researching this, in Genesis chapter 23, 1, it says that Sarah died at 127 years old. She was 90 years old when she gave birth to Isaac. But it's this amazing thing, and, and um, Abraham was 100. The commentators are saying this. Basically, when it says, after some time, God spoke to Abraham, they're saying that we think when we look at the story that it's a little child. But the commentators are saying this because it actually this story mirrors Jesus and him being sacrificed for us. So he was between 30 and 33 years old. A 30-year-old man still walking with his dad. Interesting thing is, he was able to walk with his dad and he saw the confidence that his dad had in God. So he was able to give his confidence to God and his father. Because it's not just about the faith of Abraham. What about Isaac? Dad, where are we going? Um, son, I'm going to go worship. going to go worship. And then verse 5 is a pivotal verse. In the Hebrew language, when you look it up, it says this. We are determined to go to worship and return. He was determined, regardless what anyone said, what anyone would have even thought about, if he was wrong, it didn't matter. He was going to go, he was going to worship, and he was going to come back. That means that's a statement of faith. Without any, I have no farther farther on instructions. You know, when you guys, those who are type A, y'all need to hear everything, don't you? Tell me the end from the beginning, right? God, I'll do this if you show me exactly what's going on. Show me what's Tell me he's going to rise up. I'll do it for you. Faith doesn't go that way. You go as you learn as you go. And he was waiting. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19, talks about this. Abraham's heart, leaving there in faith. Go ahead and go to that scripture for me, sir. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac y'all shall your, off, your offspring be named. He considered that God was what? That's, I, can, I can preach on that all day. Even to raise him from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. He says, we're going to go, and we're going to worship, and we are coming back. You're going through a test. 
you're going to go through it. You're going to worship God in the middle of it, and you're going to come back a whole lot stronger. But sometimes when you're in the middle of a test, you don't see the end of it. But you've got to follow the steps of faith. You go, you worship, and he's, you're going to come back stronger, shinier, holier. And then what does God do? He sends someone else into your path to help them go through the test. And one thing I've seen here, the word worship. Do you know sacrifice is the essence of worship? Talking about the sacrifice of praise. When you don't feel like it, sacrifice is the very essence of worship. You know when you can praise the Lord the best? When you don't feel like it. (laughs) When you're in the groove, you're okay. But when you don't feel like saying praise God and you do it and he starts to come into you and starts to enliven your spirit, that's when you have sacrificed your feelings for the presence of God. And that's amazing. It's actually. But here's another thing. When it comes to faith like Abraham, we don't always know where we're headed. But like, and I, like Abraham, we must walk in order to learn. To a place I'm going to show you. A place I'm going to show you. Let's look at the rest of this story. Think about your Abraham. And you got the orders. Three days. If you know the story of Jesus, three days when he died and was raised from the, when raised from the dead. Three-day journey. He's walking. A man takes the fire, which is the coals, and the wood, and goes, has his knife. And you're about to kill your dream. You're about to kill your plan. Because all of us has an Isaac. Every one of us have to go to this test. We all have an Isaac in our lives. You got to kill a relationship. You got to kill sin. And God will put you to the test to make you better. Temptation makes you worse. Testing makes you better. But you can't run from the test. Because the test is your breakthrough. But you're walking with a knife. And you young, you ladies would just have babies. Think about this. But look at it not just as a, as a human. Look at what that which you have put before God. Put it ahead of him. Your career. Let's go on. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. He took it in his hand and fire and the knife. So he went through, went both of them together. Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. He said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now, this time, Isaac, I mean, Abraham could have came up with some story. He said, God will provide for himself. If God put me to the test, you know who's going to get the results? God is. 
for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. And they came to the place in which God had told them. Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order to bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. So it's the picture of Jesus. Because he had to carry his own cross for a little while. Isaac's carrying the wood. They came to a place which God told them. Abraham built an altar there, laid the wood in order, bound his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Think about this as an altar. Keep going, sir. And Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife, slaughtered his son. Verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. I am so good, so glad that Abraham was not hard of hearing. (laughs) Think about it. When you're going to a test and you try to not be with God, and he might have an assignment for you to do next, but you'll miss it because you're mad at God. And you become hard of hearing. And you start doing what you want to do versus what God told you to do. He stayed in God's presence all through the test so he can hear the further assignment. Think about it. When we go through a test, we, our first thing to do, we get mad at God. Or we go through a trial, God, why? God, why? But you need to start listening even more because there's further instructions coming. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your only, adjective, son from me. Keep going, sir. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. I love lifting up your eyes. When you're going through a trial, they'll be doing this. Lift up your eyes so you can see and you can hear. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by the horns. And Abraham went and took the ram, offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. As it is said this day on the mount, the Lord, it shall be what? Provided. What a story. What a story. And I want you to walk through that. Because whatever God's telling you to lay on the altar and destroy it, or he might just say, I just want you to give it to me so I can lift it back up in the right premise. As you go through, sometimes you ever ask God for direction and he sends a trial? I did. Ask God, what am I supposed to study, your Bible? Am I supposed to study the military PME? I didn't get an answer. I got trials. First, I'm going to, oh, by the way, your wife's going to deploy for about four months. Oh, by the way, you are going to be removed from your position because there's a guy coming in over your head. Oh, by the way, we have no place to put you. And there's talk about that you're incompetent. By the way, by the way, by the way. And by the way, we can't promote you unless you finish this thing. And everyone said, fight, fight, fight. I said, I'm not fighting. You know what I learned? God was preparing me. He kept saying this. You know, you had great faith when you were getting two checks a month with housing. And you were doing great with faith when you had a great reputation. And you had great faith when you was very popular. 
you worship the military more than you worship me. And the minute I surrendered, I took my, my CD, and I took it to my first sergeant. I felt so good. I said, you can have it. And next thing you know, I was going, I was dancing across the street. Write whatever you want to write. I can care less, man. Just write what you want to write. I don't care anymore. I just want to have fun, and I want to follow God. And next thing I know, I came across the street. The commander said, you know, Rich, you've been serving this military for 19 and a half years. You know, it's time for us to do something for you. I never heard that from a boss. The minute I surrendered everything, my reputation, all those things, my job, everything, God had moved me out. But as I surrendered, God moved me more into prominence. I had a bigger job. I was over millions of dollars. And even my old job, they respected me. They wouldn't respect the guy who came in because he didn't know Jesus. But through that test, was it hard? Yes. Was Donna there? Part of the time, but she was deployed. Can't talk to Sterling. Your dad is hurting. Sterling said, take me out to eat, dad. Take me out to eat. (laughs) So who am I going to talk to? God himself. That's all I had. And I went home and prayed, and I prayed, and I watched, and I listened, and I followed everything he said. And he was preparing me. He took me on a journey to put me right here, to give me skills I needed to have. I didn't have long-range planning skills. I had short-range planning skills. I had to go to a long-range planning skill, a place to learn how to plan out two years in advance. I had to learn how to schedule stuff into the, air, into the base and all around the world. I had to learn that stuff so I know how to do that here. I had to learn finances in a whole different light. God knew. He would have said, Rich, I want you to go over here. I wouldn't have went. Sent a test. But he also showed me you have more faith. You have to put your military career on the altar. And I'm the one with faith. <laughs> hey, big faith. Two checks, yeah. You got a lot of faith. I'll never go hungry as far as the military is concerned. Three things when you look at this scripture. The first one, expect the test. Number two, focus on the promises, not the explanations. Number three, depend on God's provision. Number one, you know, tests come to purify our faith. Three things, perfect our character and to protect us from sin. And they bring out the best in us, like I said earlier. But you know, our faith is never really tested until God asks us to bear the unbearable. Look at me. Bear the unbearable. Do the unreasonable. Because when you're going through a test, no one's going to understand. And you're going to do some things you would never do. The old school would say, fight, fight, fight. I surrender. I'm not fighting. And expect, expect the impossible. But it's not really tested until we're put in that environment. Everything I learned in the military was before we did anything, we tested. Before we had an exercise or a big inspection, we got tested. By the time the guys showed up, we were so good, they would say, you guys are something else. I thank you. Just leave, please. We're so perfected now. We want you to go home. You get tested. The planes you're flying on is tested. Your relationships will get tested. If you're married, you're going to get tested. Everything that you, and here's the here's key. 
when it's uncomfortable to you, you know God is in it. When it's beyond your comprehension, what, ha, you know how we grew up, now old school, we grew up this way. When mom says something, you did it. You didn't have an explanation. You didn't say anything, right? Say, hey, do that. Clean up your room. We didn't have a talk. Mom, can we pray? Yeah, we're going to pray. Pray you get missed. And here's the awesome thing, how much God loves us. He never sends us a test until he knows we're ready for it. If you're going through something because God says you're ready for it, you can handle it. So count yourself worthy and count yourself special because you're going through it. Second one, focus on the promises, not the explanation. Faith does not demand explanation. Faith rests on the what? Promises. And one thing I know, God's will never contradicts his promise. It never contradicts his promise. When he tells you to do something, even though it seems like a contradiction, I waited for the son for 25 years. Now kill the son. Now you got to realize that his will never will, comp- uh, will contradict his word, regardless how you go about getting there, because it doesn't really matter because you just go on your journey. You got to believe that God is going to do and make it better. And that's tough because everyone quits before the test is done. And you shouldn't quit because it shows you something. It shows a lot of people around you something. And people are looking how you go through the test. And his faith, really, Abraham's faith was declared by his obedience. His obedience declared his faith. His obedience declared his faith. You can't get away from obedience, guys. And I'm glad for that. I love boundaries. <laughs> everything is good, but everything is not great for you. God has the boundaries, but obedience, if you want to walk and experience his divine provision, it's amazing. Last one is, God, depend on God's provision. Now, the word provision in the Latin means this, pro video. Pro video. How many love video games? How many guys love video games? You won't admit because your wife's sitting next to you. But they tell us, so raise your hand anyway. It means this, provision. It'll be seen. It'll be played. When he's told him on this mountain God will provide he was calling God Jehovah Jireh when translated means the Lord will provide the Lord will what see to it and the Lord will be seen in it so when you're going through something you got to know one he's going to provide two he's going to see to it because it's his covenant remember if Abraham even failed on the test. The covenant was made by him and God. It was all on God to bring it to pass. Even the covenant with us. If we fail, he's still going to bring his, his will to pass, his vision to pass. And the Lord will, you'll be seen going through it. You know, your trial is never private. Know who's looking, how we're handling today's world. Those who don't know Jesus. They want to know, what is the, why are you guys 
have all this hope. We can say, because we have a different source. My source is not my job. My source is not my reputation. And here's this. Here's a new one I added because I'm going to talk about it here in, in the spring. My source is not my, ethnic, <coughs> my ethnic ethnicity. It's not my source. God's my source. And when you say that, they're going to say, oh, yeah, because, well, the stock market fell. Well, who owns the stock market? God. Well, we might, you know, it's global warming. Really? Last time I checked in the Bible, it says seed time and harvest will always take place. Fall, summer, fall, you know, winter. So, what, what the main, well, what, something's extinct. I, how do you know? Because you haven't seen it? It's not about the provision. It's about the provider. Yes. What happened, we shifted. Everything in this world we think provides for us. It doesn't. It's temporary in nature. It will change. I, I grew up one, learning and loving Pan Am Airlines. I thought Pan Am Airlines would be around forever. And then say, I say Pan Am, they say, what are you talking about? Pan who? I thought it would last forever. I thought Mr. Softy would last forever. <laughs> you know, I thought cartoons, Bugs Bunny, I thought it would be lasting forever. When I was a kid, that was my source of my enjoyment. But my source of my enjoyment is God, who never changes, who never fades away. It will be seen. Now, here's the greatest thing about this. The Lord provides for our needs in the place of his assignment. Me and Miss Donna, when we retired, retired, we did all the work to make sure post-retirement time that we would have a house we can take care of and everything was just perfect. The Lord had another plan. She retired first, went to ACU, got her degree. I retired right after that. Everything was perfect. Then we went through a season of every month something was going out in the house. The oven, the, uh, st- uh, the dishwasher, the water heater, and the last one, the big one, the air conditioning and heating because it leaked all, was that? And the garage door opener went out. So we're like, okay, we got half of our checks and make two half make a full. So we got home and we took, looked at the bills. And we looked at what we got coming in. And we said, what's going out is a whole lot more than what's coming in. And I'm in school, so you got to finish school. And what are we going to do? And the question came up to this. It's been easy to do this. Well, let's cut, you know, let's cut our tithe and offering. Because we got to pay the bills. You know what we did? It's weird. Nothing. We just kept on giving. Then we, we had a great celebration at the end of the month. How'd that happen? That doesn't line up. How'd you find, a th- how'd you find that $500? It showed up supernaturally because God had a plan. We stuck to the plan when we did nothing. We didn't respond to it. And we're at today. 
I had my, we had a plan. My son, he's going to go to school in Texas. It's cheaper to go to school in Texas. It's great in Texas. Yeah, we can afford everything and we got, the, we got it down. Then we're going to California. Cali what? Cali what? Cali what? <laughs> and we're like, oh, what? And God said, let him follow his dream. I'm like, why you say that? Can I be a strict parent now? No. Let him follow his dream. And we felt horrible. We dropped them off. And we're like, oh, man. T-? And then a man of God came in and said, you did the right thing. He'll have no lack. He came six months later. We were, we were like, man, did we do the right thing? Yes. Is God still providing? Yes. Why? Because that's what God does. That's, and his assignment was, his assignment is this, our assignment is this. And that's what he does. But it was beyond our comprehension. It was beyond our financial capability. It was beyond our thought pattern. And God showed, you know when God shows up? Beyond all those things. Beyond the limits, there is God. Beyond the limits, that's where the provision comes in. Beyond your own self-help efforts. You can't help yourself. You can't do, you can't fix it. You can't move the numbers. You can't move the, you can't do anything. That's when God says, are you done yet? I'll do it. And it's a place of his assignment, not my assignment. Has to be his assignment. He funds what he puts to work. Wherever he has you step out, there is provision for every step. But it doesn't look like the way you think it should look. You think it should come this way. It comes another way. We're so full of faith, we got a check in the mail the other day. Well, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. From the insurance company. We were overpaying. We didn't know. And then they gave us this big check. And I said, we need to call. Because <laughs> here's our faith. Let's call. And then he said, they don't do that anymore. I mean, you mean we're the last ones to get this big check? <laughs> was that an accident? No. That was God. When you start walking in that, our test was, when we pass a big test and more tests come, is when we decided, don't do anything. Let God handle everything. And that pushed us into a zone of faith. And you just go with it. It becomes a normal lifespan. But is it uncomfortable? Oh, yes. Do you want to say, hey, I had enough. God, when you're, I'm already, and then you have to remember everything he's doing for you. Every day you go somewhere, he's taking care of it. I love what this says from John Wesley. He said, where God sees and provides, he should be seen and praised. Where God sees and provides for us, we should always be see it, and we should praise him for it. That's why you have to have your ears open and your eyes up to see those things that show up. Then you're like, where'd that come from? Don't go like, oh, that's a coincidence. Oh, no. When we research it, that's never going to happen again. That's great. We're going to cash it because you'll change your mind. But even our faith was tested then because we had to recognize his provision. Because we went there, actually went there, because the guy said, your insurance is going to go up. We're like, oh. And he he put this great story together about our insurance. And we're like, okay, give us the punchline. How much is it per month? He said $150. $155. I said, really? Each month? He said, no, rich a year. 
a year? <laughs> and then he says, well, what about our alarm system? Well, you have one? Yes. Oh, he was upset. I'm sorry I missed it. And then we got the check and that $155 raise. We're back to where we were. We're less. Thank you. That is just a, not bragging. That, and is it scary? <laughs> well, we're like, oh, man, I can't take another raise. You know, gas keeps going up. You know, I mean, who doesn't deal with that in everyday life? Can you imagine Abraham? God, I hope that's you because I got to kill this guy. You know, I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, they don't talk about it, but it, it don't stop you from moving. God can handle your complaining sometime. But he wants you to keep going. So you have further instructions in here. How about you? How many are going through a test right now? How many honestly think, I'm going through a test, man. This is killing me. Stand up.